and welcome to a new episode of the Between the Posts podcast. And this time we will zoom in on a Bundesliga clash between the leagues number five and number three. As expected, lots of tactics going on, so that's a good thing for us. My name is Erik Elias and with me here also of Between the Posts, Jose Perez. Jose, welcome once again. Hello, Eric. I said last time that I was going to bring beers. This match was so complicated to watch that I couldn't even drink beers. <laughs> Yeah, I don't think you can drink beer and analyze a game like this between Leverkusen and Gladbach. It was quite intense, this game, wasn't it? Yes, we chose a good game. There's just so much content to talk about, so many tactics, the interesting bits of how possession and and, and pressing structures went by, the tactical changes. We have a lot. Players having an impact like Havertz or Turam. So we have a lot to talk about. Yeah, well, let's get right into it. You want to start with how Leverkusen set up? Because that was the most interesting. They have been playing a sort of 4-2-3-1 formation that can, in some games, shift into a version of three central defenders at the back. And then they play 3-2-4-1. Peter Bos, the Dutch manager of Leverkusen, again chose for a formation with three central defenders. I think you could quite say it was a 5-2-3 shape. Jose, do you agree? In the first half? That's the way I was seeing it, as a 5-2-3. Just to review a bit of the structure, since we want to talk about it, the back three was Dragovic, Benda, and Tapsoba. Usually the guys who were like the two central midfielders in that structure were Demirbay and Arangis. And then at the front, we have another addition of Kai Havertz playing the number nine role. And on the wings, we had Diaby and Belarabi. Super fun, Kai Havertz, but we'll get into that. Two small points. Leon Bailey seems to have lost his position in the starting 11. Quite remarkable. So I haven't been following them lately. So what is happening with Bailey? Well, Peter Bosch, he always plays two wingers and he thinks Bailey is not one of his two best wingers in the current system. I don't think it's that complicated now. Mm-hmm. Would you agree? It's just the fact that he's now overtaken by Bellarabi and, uh, of course, Diaby, who's doing wonderful this season. So it's not that strange, but I don't think we would have predicted that a year ago. That makes sense. And yes, the work, for example, the work of the wingers today was excellent. And they do, like, it's the classic stuff you expect from the winger. They were providing the one versus one when the team had the ball on the wings and then they were running behind defenders the way they were supposed to. Every, like, it's a pretty good job from everyone in Leverkusen, frankly, in that first half. Yes, and the second thing is, of course, by putting one more central defender in the name of Dragovic, Amiri was benched and the central midfield duo was made up of Aranguiz and Demirbay. And I think that's about it for Leverkusen. Yes. Then if we review Gladbach's setup, it was essentially a 4-2-3-1 structure, which was both for, well, both for possession and pressing. In terms of possession, Gladbach tried mostly simple stuff like long ball to the forwards. There have been times in this season where Rose decided to start with a back three, especially when Zakaria is not injured. But this time they've been mostly playing with, with a back four. I would say that that was one of the things that conditioned this game more heavily and the Embolo injury. Yes, well, let's get right into it. From your perspective, what kind of game did we see the first 20 minutes or so, 25 minutes or so? What what happened? How did the clash look of the two tactical ideas of the coaches? I would say that the first half in general was very much dominated by Leverkusen because they constantly found ways to play through the Gladbach pressing system. 
And they were also pretty safe on the defensive side. Like the idea of having the three men at the back allowed them to fend off pretty well the Gladbach attackers. Because again, Gladbach's approach was always going to be very direct. And with the three at the back, they were mostly winning the aerial duels, the second balls. So there was little danger being generated. I think that you could have predicted on beforehand that this would be a high-tempo game because of the direct approach of Gladbach, which we have been seeing all season long, and Leverkusen, who always pressed the ball high up the field. So I think the key for the first half from a Leverkusen perspective was to make sure that the long balls that were being played by Gladbach were always pressed. And I think they did that fantastically well in the first half. And I think that's why they dominated, because they had a good high press going on. Yes, and that's very interesting because we should point out, you've been following them for longer. I noticed that, yeah, Bo seems to like his man-on-man approach because that's what we saw today. Just to summarize that situation, what we had there was, let's see, the wingers like Diaby and Belarabi were pressing the two Gladbach center backs. Then in the case of the wingbacks, they were marking the fullbacks. Central midfielders were also matching with with each other. We had some very aggressive persecutions of the Leverkusen defenders on the Gladbach forwards. There were situations where, for example, Hoffman tried to drop deeper, and then you saw Dragovic follow him all the way into his own half. So very aggressive defensive behavior. No, but Peter Bosch, you know, for the listener, I'm Dutch, so I've been following him for a bit longer. His defensive approach hasn't changed that much over the past 10 years. I think in possession, there are a lot of things now that his teams do that they didn't do 10 years ago. But in possession, of off the ball, I mean, it's always pressing high up the pitch. It's largely man for man. And when the ball is lost, his teams are always so aggressive. So it's not that uncommon to see like a man for man over the entire pitch at some points in this game. And uh, yeah, like you said, and like I said before, Gladbach played the long ball. And that direct approach was just not working at all. And that's why Leverkusen had so much possession in the first half. Can you maybe, from your perspective, say a little bit about how Gladbach lost the ball at the time and how Leverkusen were able to pick up the second balls, which is kind of crucial in in their approach of the game? So I think there were two factors. One of them is that the pressing from Leverkusen didn't give Gladbach enough time to think where they wanted to put the long balls. Usually what had to happen there is that in order to buy time, they had to pass the ball back to to Jan Sommer, who was the one who had to do most of the long balls. And then the other aspect is, again, just having that consistent kind of, well, it wasn't even a three plus two at the back. The thing is that Leverkusen, a lot of the time, had just like a three plus four at the back waiting for the Gladbach long balls. Like it, it wasn't just center backs and midfielders. It was also the wing backs. In this system, back. if we call it a 3-4-2-1, in this system, so the four, so the two central midfielders and the two wingbacks, they all four really put in a shift in that first half. And I think it reflected in the game we saw. Uh, can we talk about the goal, the first goal from Havertz? I feel bad for Ginta in that one because like, he just looks at the guy running and is like, I am not going to catch him ever. But Havertz... You know, his finishing is so calm. You expect that from a striker, a veteran striker of 30 years old. And that guy is normally a number 10 attacking midfielder. He's not 21 years old yet. And he finishes like, he's so calm. That goes into the conversation right now of what is Kai Havertz? What is his best role? Because 
he seems to be doing pretty well as the number nine. Right. I was during the match wondering, isn't this just a striker? Like in certain systems, okay, but isn't isn't he just a striker? Is he a number 10? Like, like what is he? If you saw him today, you expect him to drop into midfield a lot, which he did very well. But I saw him make some diagonal runs off the shoulder of the last defender, brilliantly executed, almost good timing. He's really quick on the first few yards. Like, is this guy an attacking midfielder? Isn't he just a number nine? Yes, his movement throughout the game was spectacular. You can see that sometimes playing with his back to goal is still a bit awkward for him. But, like, he's kind of a big guy, strong, so he still keeps the ball pretty well. He's so all-round. He's quick, he's strong, he's tall, he's fantastically technically, he has a great vision. Like, yeah, maybe he's just the second attacker or something, I don't know. Anyways, first half, clear Leverkusen domination. In total, they had seven shots, of which six in the box, and Gladbach had only four shots, which were mostly set pieces, one from outside the box. Second half, of course... Marco Rose and René Maric being Marco Rose and René Maric, they switch it up. And then the game goes into mayhem. We see two goals within 15 minutes of the second half. What, what happened there? Can you first maybe talk a little bit about tactics and then about the goals? Yes. So if we start talking about the tactics for the second half, I think two big problems about the first half for Gladbach were, one, dealing with Leverkusen's three at the back. And two, I did think that at several times throughout the first half, their pressing behavior was not aggressive enough, as in they were not committing enough men. For example, the fullbacks were not too involved in pressing. And that led to many situations where Leverkusen just had numerical superiority and they could pass through Gladbach structure. So the two main changes that we saw for the second half was Gladbach switched to a back three. So Strobel, who was the defensive midfielder in the first half, just played deeper. So he created a back three with Ginta and, and Elvedi. And from that, because they had that back three, we could see more aggressive behavior from the now wing backs, which are Bensevaini and Lina. And what, as a result, how did the game tilt? Well, what kind of game did we saw as opposed to in the first half? Well, I would say that between, especially between the 45 and 65th minute, we had pretty strong domination from Gladbach. They could press more aggressively and create turnovers in Leverkusen's half, so they could get the ball higher up the pitch. And because of the back three, they were able to keep the ball for a bit longer, and they started attracting the Leverkusen press, and Leverkusen then left space at the back for Gladbach's forwards. Now they had more space to operate and to wing the long balls that they were being sent. Right. Nice goal from Turam in the 52nd minute to equalize. Yes. The goal by Turam is basically one of the best examples of, of what we're talking about. So they were passing it at the back at first. They attracted the Leverkusen press. Then they pass back to Sommer. Sommer makes the long pass. And now Turam has space to win that one, there is space for Stindl to pick up the second ball. And then Tudam makes like that long diagonal run away from Leverkusen defenders while Playa sends him the long pass. So all of that was enabled by the switch of tactics that Gladbach had done. That's quite cool because how often have we not talked about a tactical change from a manager and we say, yeah, the game kind of switched, but without goals to show for it. And now they change the tactics to provoke a certain behavior of attackers, and then you see a goal 
directly from that change. That must be kind of cool as a manager as well. Yes. I felt proud myself because like when I saw the first half, my diagnosis is like they should switch to a back three and that's what Rosa did. And I'm like, yes, I can read. It's a great observation from you, of course, but they do that all the time. You know, they start with four, they switch to three or the other way around. Very flexible team. That's what's so special about them. So we have a Havertz penalty in the 58th minute, which I would like to discuss with you later, but I'm not sure Leverkusen, of course, they won the game 3-1. I'm not sure they would have won that game without that penalty. I thought Gladbach tilted the game their way in this phase, and then the penalty came. Yes, this is one of those games where if we play it 10 times, I don't think we would end up with this result too often. Let's put no, it that no, way. No, no, of course, I agree with you, but you can say that for every game. But for the game we saw today, I think the penalty kick came at a fantastic time for Leverkusen because they dominated the first half, then Gladbach changed it up a little bit, and then they were walking behind, and Gladbach got more possession on the half of Leverkusen, and then they got a PK. So I think that's one of those random events where it tilts your way, whereas I don't think it would have gone that way if they wouldn't have gotten the penalty. Yes, thanks to the penalty, things became a bit more leveled up, but with Gladbach, I would say still kind of dominating for the most part. And we should go into that. In the second half... This is where Boss Ball gets becomes a problem. Like, yes, defensive behavior is so aggressive that they did not keep a defensive line, basically. Right. I'll go into detail on that. But can I say one more thing? Yes. I really like the penalty call because there's this unwritten rule in football. It's not in the, in the law book anyway, that when an attacker gets off a shot, you can just basically kick him everywhere you want. Yes, that's the thing. Like, I was weirded out by the call because it just goes against the unwritten playbook that we have. There are just so many unwritten laws that referees follow. I completely agree on this one. And if you have not seen the match, please watch it back because it's a brilliant call. I don't know which attacker it was. Gets a shot off. Gets, like, scalped. And it's normal for a referee to say, okay, go on, shot has been delivered on the goal. But they should do this more often. Like, I think attacking players should be defended like that, you know? I am not sure I agree much with the call, but it is, it is true that it's interesting. It's just something that, it, it's just the kind of call that goes against what, what, what normal, we normally see. And you wonder, it's like, it makes you question those unwritten rules that we, all, that we right. have. Well, let's continue. You ventured in it a little bit. Yes, Peter Bos, he always plays with players that are strong attacking. If you look at the left wing back, Deli Sinkgraven, he was an attacking midfielder in Holland for a long time. If you look at Mitch Weiser, he's a former winger, of course. If you look at Amiri, who played as the left central midfielder in a central midfield duo, he was an attacking midfielder at Hoffenheim a lot of times. So, of uh, Demi Bay, I mean, I'm sorry, Demi Bay, of course. So, if you play with those attacking profiles on those positions, it's logical that if you have to defend on your own half, you're going to be in trouble. That's not really a tough concept. So, the teams of Peter Bos always have to play on the opposing half to play well. It's really hard for them to sit back for a while. You know, you saw that with his Ajax team as well, which went so far in the Europa League. And I think Gladbach did that to them as well. And I think once again, Gladbach more or less took the overhand in the game. Yes, and it got to the point where it was so chaotic that just a single Gladbach long ball is all it took to create a chance. Because... Both Plea and Dudam did a pretty good job taking advantage of that, of that chaos. Oh, yeah, sure. They live in that chaos. They are very good at that. Yes. So 
I would say that over time, of course, thanks to the goals, the match leveled up a bit more. Like Gladbach generated good chances throughout the entire second half. But with time, Leverkusen also started generating better chances too. I don't know if a change, maybe a change that helped. Bailey came in at the 66th minute. Do you think he had much of an impact? Well, I think he did. I think the context of the game, you know, quite suited him at that moment. A lot of space to attack in behind. So I liked that sub. I also thought it was very logical from Bos to take out Debbie Bay for Baumgartlingel, who's more of a really defensive profile. So I, I thought the subs made a lot of sense over there. Yes. Well, with Baumgartlinger, what happened is that they actually, at the very like, last 10 minutes, Leverkusen switched to a back four, essentially, which is like the other setup that they, to the 4-2-3-1, basically, which mm-hmm. is the setup they use a lot of the time. Yeah, because they just wanted to play the 4-4-1-1 defensive block. You know, that's not so strange. Interesting, though, you can make five subs now. And Rose went for three subs and Bos for two subs. So they didn't at all make use of all the new substitutions, even though Mbolo was injured in the 12th minute. So that's kind of interesting. Makes you wonder what they think of their reserve players. Yes, then Gladbach also had their changes, but at this point, like the math, the big tactical switch was to switch to the back three at the beginning of the second half. Afterwards, the changes were more like, were a bit more man for man, to put it that way. Like they still mostly kept the, the structure with three at the back. Yeah, so then Gladbach, of course, pushes on for an equalizer. Leverkusen, as we said earlier, they make some man-for-man defensive switches. Okay, then they get a corner kick in the 80th minute. And, well, I think it was a foul anyway, but Bender, he didn't head it in, but he shouldered it in. He made a goal. I think we were kind of robbed of a good last 10 minutes there because after that, I really saw a dead game. Yeah, that's basically how it was. And and this game was kind of fun because, yes, Gladbach needed to equalize, so they were very aggressive. And then both teams only know how to be aggressive. So you had often these situations of, like, three versus three, like three forwards versus three defenders, or even three forwards versus two defenders. Like, you had a lot of these situations at both ends of the pitch. So yeah. it, was, it was entertaining. Very come and go, very intense very high-tempo game. So if we could start wrapping up, though, who was your favorite player for Leverkusen? There's a lot. Havertz. 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 No second thoughts. I think Aranguis played fantastic, but Havertz was guy so talented. You cannot name one other player than him. Yeah, there's really no, no competition here. I'm not, I'm not even going to challenge it. Then but, for uh, Gladbach, who was your favorite player? Uh, this is maybe a little bit of those tactics, niche choices, but I liked what Hoffman was doing, trying to anticipate the space of the in the second half. I think he was very important in that part when Gladbach dominated. But he was like, I don't think he touched the ball more than 10 times in that space, but he was always making the runs and pressing when the ball was lost. I think he did a good job. And it's a bit strange, but I'd like to talk maybe a little bit about the Embolo injury in the 12th minute. or The injury was earlier, but the substitute, he was taken off in the 12th minute. Because Mbolo is quite important for Gladbach because he drops into midfield and then runners go in behind. Yes, and again, the lack of Mbolo probably made Gladbach's possession play more predictable because at that point, they really, especially during the first half, the only thing Gladbach was doing was the long ball approach. They weren't mixing it up. Once they got to the yeah. second half, 
partly because of Hoffman's participation and dropping deeper, you could see that Gladbach was switching it up a bit more. They mixed the long balls with a bit of shorter passing. So that helped a lot during yeah. the second half. And yes, with Embolo, we would have seen more of that during the first half too. Let me finish with a, with a kind of hot take. But if you look at the starting 11 of both teams and the substitutions, I think Leverkusen has better players than Gladbach. And it's always hard to evaluate players in a certain tactical context. Look at Dedi Singhaven, for example. If you put him now in the Gladbach team at left back, I don't think he would be as good as he's now for Leverkusen. But I think if you just put player for player, 11 players from Leverkusen against 11 players from Gladbach, I think Leverkusen simply has a better side. And it speaks volumes to the coaching quality of Rose and Maric that they've done so much with this team. But yeah, I'm not surprised Leverkusen won here in the end if you look at their players. Me neither. And I was thinking that while I was watching the game. It's like, yes, this can become evened out due to tactics, but it's clear who the more, at least who the more talented players with the ball are. Like, yeah. Leverkusen, red hot form. Eh? It's a bit strange to talk about form, of course, because we haven't played football for two months. But since the winter break, they've played 15 competitive games 15, 1 5. They've won 13 now. They drew one and they lost one. That's ridiculous. It's on fire and right. So right now they're third place. Yeah, they're now third in the league. And maybe they're just, I don't know, maybe they're just the third best team in the league right now behind Dortmund and Bayern. Who knows? I mean, in terms of form, definitely. And how are they with the, in, in terms of points? They are now 53 points they have. And Bayern have 61, assuming they win tonight, which they are okay. doing now with 2-0. So I'm quite confident they will win that. They are eight points behind Bayern, so I don't think we have to, the right to talk about a championship. But if they finish above Dortmund, or even if they finish third, that's a magnificent performance, of course. So I tip my hat to them. Yes, I mean, we have a very, we have a very fun Bundesliga right now. We have a lot, of, a lot of very, very interesting teams. Yeah, and so it's not a punishment for us to follow it every week, because that's what we'll do in the upcoming weeks. May I thank you for today, Jose? Thanks a lot, man. And thanks for having me here. It's always nice to talk about football, and we had a very good game to talk about. And that will continue that way. Thanks for listening. If you haven't already, please subscribe on whatever platform you are listening. And if you could leave a review, we would be easier to find for other football tactics lovers. So thanks for that. See you next week, Jose. Thanks, man. Bye-bye.